everyone. This is episode 704 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Friday, January 24th, 2020. I am your host, Mark Rizhnez, and today I'll be talking about Redbow, Without Escape, Apex Legends, and Black Skylands, as well as a little bit of what I've been watching, but not too much. And I think I'm going to start with Apex Legends because we got a fair amount of news and details about the upcoming Season 4, including the new legend, a new weapon, and changes to the ranked mode yet again because they can't make up their mind in part because ranked mode is still a bit of a mess. So with Season 4, which is called Assimilation because you will be assimilating everyone, I don't know. It's called Assimilation. The new legend is Forge, and I think he is by far the dumbest looking character to date. I hate the way he looks. He looks like he came straight out of a Rob Liefeld sketchbook. His proportions are all out of whack. You can't see his legs, which is also very Liefeld-esque. He's got four pouches on his belt, or below his belt. He's got this kind of WWE championship looking belt thing. <laughs> I fucking hate that. He's got a pouch on his right arm. His left arm is metallic and the proportions are ridiculous. His hand is really tiny, but his biceps, his metallic biceps are humongous. He just looks so fucking stupid. And this is what they have to say about him. Confident yet humble, Forged uses his size, strength, and heavy duty shatter gauntlets to battle his opponents into submission. Oh, yeah. He sounds like my kind of man. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't like him. But I, uh, based off of what I've heard in terms of how he plays, he seems like he's going to be very unique in, in just the way you go about playing as him and the fact that he is a melee-focused legend. And I'm guessing he has abilities as well, but it seems like it's more of a move set that he has where it's like if you do a melee and then press this direction, he'll do this attack. If you press this direction, he'll do this other attack and you can maybe chain together melee attacks. It sounds very interesting, but I don't know how it's going to work out in actual play. It'll be interesting to see what the adoption rate for for him is. After the initial, like, oh, let's see what this new legend's all about. Uh, so that that could not change things up, but it could add a nice little flavor to the game. I, I like the way he plays, but I think he looks dumb as shit. Then the new weapon they added is the Sentinel, which is a bolt-action sniper rifle. Because if there's one thing we needed in Apex, it's another fucking sniper rifle. This makes six. We have the Longbow, the Scout... The Charge Rifle, the Triple Take, the Kraber, and now the Sentinel. Which means the Sniper Rifle is by far the most varied class of weapons in Apex Legends. And I don't know why. I'm not sure if maybe the Sniper Rifles are the most popular, but I thought the Charge Rifle was already too much, given that we already have a Energy Weapon Sniper Rifle. Uh, and now we have another one. I'm not sure what the detail what the specs are on it because they're the actual season four page is lacking detail i think there's there's more detail in actual posts on other websites but uh i'm not sure if this is a heavy weapon or a light ammo weapon but uh yeah we got another sniper rifle hooray of course there's going to be new items and all that kind of jazz 
And with the ranked mode, they're going to be splitting it up into halves, I guess. And one half you'll play on the current map, which I can't remember the name of the current map. And then the other one will be returning to King's Canyon, which I really like. I hope, though, they give us the fucking option outside of ranked mode in Season 4 to just pick whatever map we want to. There's no reason not to have that. If the only excuse they can make, and this is like the only real excuse that would make sense is, oh, we don't want to split the player base so that you can get into a match right away. This game is supposedly really fucking popular. If splitting the user base in half, if you just assume that you know half the people want to play the new map, half want to play the old map, if that means it'll be hard to find a match or it'll take time, then you're fucking... This game is dead, and you're just too afraid to admit it. But also, they'll be celebrating the anniversary, because uh, the one-year anniversary is coming up very soon, with some special gifts and like charms and all that kind of jazz, which is cool. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get out of this season and into a new one and see some new events, because I was excited about the Grand Square uh, Arcade event, which I've been playing, but... I haven't really enjoyed any of the modes that I've played. I didn't get a chance to check out all the modes because I forgot when the event started that it already started. So I missed out on the Gold Rush duos, which is a bit of a bummer. I wanted to play that with my buddy. But I did try out all the other ones. So Live Die Live was where if you die, instead of having to be respawned at a beacon, when the circle closes... And if one of your teammates is still alive, you'll automatically respawn. That was a fun little mode that was pretty much exactly like the the regular mode, just with that slight adjustment to respawning. Third-person mode was fucking garbage. Holy shit. Playing the game in third-person was awful. And I like to think that there were maybe some people who play Fortnite and heard about third person mode like oh i'm gonna give apex a chance because i like playing in third person and then they come and play it and they're like holy shit apex legend sucks because it felt like garbage it was awful uh, always be closing is where the circle was always closing instead of it being in these segmented waves or whatever which was fine you know it wasn't too different from the regular mode armed and dangerous on world's Ed, so that's the name of the map was fun I, I i still really like that mode shotguns and sniper rifles with limited armor i think that's a fun variation that does change the way you play in significant ways and really encourages and requires to an extent good teamwork and then the current event that i haven't tried yet uh today and tomorrow is king's canyon after dark which is just returning to king's canyon at dark which is like the zombie-esque zombie uh, event they had a while ago, um, which was also at King's Canyon at night, but they didn't have a regular mode there. So this is nice to just be able to play the traditional Apex Battle Royale mode back in King's Canyon and at night. And then the one after this is the Dummies Big Day, which I still don't know what that is, but uh, yeah. I've enjoyed... The, the majority of the modes, but I haven't been in love with any of them. I, I liked Armed and Dangerous to some extent, but I had a lot of bad matches with randoms that weren't fun. I've won a match in all of the modes that I've tried uh, because I need to do that in order to get these points so that I can unlock all the crap from this event. 
But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the just just seeing this end and moving on from this season and starting fresh and all that jazz. I should still play some more ranked mode to maybe get my rank up, but I really haven't messed around with ranked mode this season because the way they handle ranked mode isn't the best. It's a, it's a significant improvement over the f- second season. The first ranked mode was horrible. But this ranked mode is a bit better, but it's still not great. Anywho, yeah, that is Apex Legends. So Redbow is a N adventure game, a horror-themed adventure game, where you play as a little girl who wakes up and is like, oh, what's going on? And then you end up in these various worlds that are sort of a limbo for these people who haven't yet moved on. And you are tasked with the responsibility of helping them move on in one way or another. And it's a very short game. I finished it in under an hour and it's just not that good. It's very, very talky. I posted a review for it on YouTube, which you can check out if you want. And it's just, it's very talky and the, the writing isn't that great. It didn't do a good job of making me care, of engaging me in the story and make me want to learn more about what was going on and learning about these people who I was supposed to help in one way or another. I just didn't care. I just wanted to get on with the game. Sometimes people go on and on for like 10 minutes or more if you actually sit there and read every single bit of dialogue in a specific conversation, which is crazy because it's not that interesting what's coming out of their mouth but it's a game for those who would like to get an easy batch of achievements basically the save system sucks in that there is no auto save so if you're not saving manually and something happens whether you fail i I ran into one fail state and lost a lot of progress Uh, you'll have to restart from the last save point which i only saved really early on and then never again so that is annoying but yeah it's just it's a very forgettable game and hard to recommend to anyone who doesn't care about easy achievements and trophies and all that jazz. And then Without Escape is yet another easy achievement game where you are a young boy. I'm assuming you're like a teenager and you're home alone uh, because your parents have gone to visit your grandparents and crazy shit starts happening it's a point and click adventure game i beat it in 45 minutes if you use the guide i'm sure you could finish it in under 30 minutes and get all the achievements all the trophies platinum trophy and all that jazz and that would be the way to go about playing it because the the story in execution is pretty dumb i think there's some interesting ideas there but i think the way it all comes together does not work at all the majority of the puzzles are very simple and straightforward. A few require you to think a little bit, use math and stuff like that. And there's one puzzle I do genuinely like because it requires you, unless you are a scientist or someone who's well-versed in the sciences and knows the periodic table by heart and the atomic numbers associated with each element of the periodic table. If you already know that, you're good. But if you don't, then you have to do a little bit of research outside the game. And I 
like that type of that type. I like that type of puzzle because it makes the game feel bigger than what it is. It makes it feel like it's more than just a game because you have to go into the real world to figure out the solution to a puzzle. But even though I like doing that for the puzzle, the puzzle itself was still pretty dumb, as is the game, um, which is a bit disappointing. You know, you're going through your house, you're just clicking on everything, you'll get an object, and then you're like, okay, I can use this with this other object, and you're just going through the motions until the game ends, and you, spoilers, you run into like aliens or whatever who have destroyed Earth and the universe, or and I think it's the whole universe, not just the planet. And they're like, you're the first person who made it through our puzzle gauntlet. Congratulations. You, along with us now, can rebuild and shape a new universe. And you're like, why do you do this? You're just you're lying to me, right? I don't want to do this. And then you can choose if you want to do it or not. You can just jump off the cliff and kill yourself, or you can decide... I'm going to stick with these aliens and be a god. And I jumped off. I'm like, fuck these aliens. I don't want to do any of that shit. And it doesn't matter uh, in terms of achievements or trophies. You don't have, you don't get one for completing it in one way and another for completing it the other way. So no need to worry about that. The one thing I really genuinely appreciate is that when you pick up objects and use them with other objects. You don't have to go into your inventory to select them and then move them with an on-screen cursor to whatever the object is you want to interact with, which is something that a lot of adventure games do, and it's just a very tedious thing that I feel like is so pointless uh, and annoying, and in without escape, you just interact with something and it automatically is like, okay, you got these two batteries in your inventory and the controller for the TV doesn't have batteries in it. I'm not going to make you put each in, uh, battery in there individually by scrolling and doing all that shit. I'm just going to automatically do it because obviously what else are you going to put in there? Are you going to put the lighter you found in there? You're going to put the pliers you found in there? You're going to put the coat that you've, you found in there? No, you're going to put the fucking batteries in there. So I appreciate that about it, but it's a pretty dumb game uh, that isn't scary. Both of the games aren't scary. Redbow or Without Escape. Uh, I don't think Redbow is trying to be scary. I think it's trying to be more moody um, and atmospheric. Doesn't really succeed at that. And then Without Escape tries to scare you with audio jump scares and disturbing imagery, but the disturbing imagery isn't all that disturbing. Uh, and the audio jump scares aren't that scary. And this is coming from me, who's a big baby. So, yeah. Both those games are for those looking for a quick 1,000 achievement points or platinum trophy and stuff like that. Uh, Redbow is from that Radalaika games or whatever it is. And then Without Escape is from someone else. Then uh, Black Skylands is a game that is currently very early in production. Uh, I played the Alpha build, which was at PAX South. And uh, I downloaded it and played it for like 15 minutes. They say it's like a 20-minute uh, build. Um, and it's not too bad. They peg it as Bioshock Infinite meets Enter the Gungeon. Uh, they call it a top-down pixel art airship RPG. All right, uh, maybe. But like the, the slice that I played didn't give me 
a good idea of all the systems in place. So like the RPG elements, I can't really speak to. But what I did play was pretty good. So you start off on like this hub base world, I guess. You get on your ship, which you have to repair. You repair it. And then you fly to your destination. Along the way to your destination, you'll run into mines in the sky that you have to avoid. You can blow them up with your cannons. Your ship is like a pirate ship. And you have cannons on the sides that you can fire off. And you'll also run into monsters that are flying there that you can kill. And that will come after you. Some will explode and blah, blah, blah. That felt pretty good. Uh, I like that. And then when you get to the destination, you get off your ship. And you start shooting enemies like a traditional top-down shooter. Mechanically, it's pretty good. It does have controller support already, which is nice. I don't think they've made any mention of console releases. As far as I know, they've only mentioned it coming to PC and Steam. uh, And the scheduled release is for Q4 2020. But mechanically, it feels pretty good. Uh, And I, I played it with my Xbox One controller the performance is not there, but again, this is an alpha build, so I'm not going to uh, harp on them for having a, a bad frame rate, but the frame rate was not good <laughs> at, at all. But it did feel pretty good to shoot the weapons, and you have a dodge roll uh, in your small array of weapons. You have a sniper rifle, a shotgun, and an assault rifle. And they all have their own unique benefits and weaknesses. Uh, The sniper rifle can shoot through enemies, so you can get a a line of enemies in your crosshairs. You can do a lot of damage that way. The shotgun, of course, is more widespread, and the assault rifle shoots fast and furiously. Um, The one thing I didn't like specifically about the assault rifle is that the muzzle flash on that gun was very prominent and distracting and kind of blended in with incoming bullets from enemies and it made it made it hard to realize that i'm being attacked it just made it hard to avoid bullets um when using that gun and firing at the same time because things would just be just be so much going on on screen and i'd always see these muzzle flashes that were my own muzzle flashes and then these big bullets from enemies and be like, what's what? Uh, and that was a little annoying. But playing through the short little chunk of the game, I enjoyed it. And it's definitely on my radar now. I, I'm, I'm interested in seeing more of it uh, as the year progresses. I'm assuming, given that there is control support already at this point, that it will be coming to consoles. And it, it makes sense. It feels great with a controller. Uh, and yeah, I look forward to it having a better frame rate and being more fleshed out and, and learning more about the RPG elements of the game because that, that really wasn't there in the, the demo. But um, that is it in terms of what I've been playing as far as what I've been watching. I've been watching Billy on the Street, which is Billy Eichner's series that started, I don't know, like 2011, and it started as a web series and then moved to True TV, and now it's not happening. I think it's over but he's still looking for a potential new home. He doesn't want to stop doing it. So I don't know about that, but uh, seasons two through five are on Netflix. You can see season one through the True TV site, app, whatever your cable provider. I watched it through my cable provider 
with commercials, which was a little annoying. But um, I'm through season four, and I just I love it. I can understand why some people would be really turned off by Billy because he's he's very abrasive, he's loud, he's just a lot of human, and I could see him being very uh, annoying to a lot of people, but I find him just absolutely delightful. The one thing I don't like about his show is when he does these little bits as opposed to just talking to people on the street. Specifically, whenever he does an obstacle course, I'm I'm just out. I skip it. I think those are so fucking stupid. They're, they're just never funny, and I hate them. And they're so long, usually, like six or seven minutes, and his show can be as short as like 60 minutes long so those can take up a fair amount of an episode i'm like i don't why are you wasting so much time with this but i love the show i adore elena who is this person he had first on as a guest uh, not a guest but as one of the contestants quote-unquote contestants and she is just a character a very interesting person they're weird back and forth rapport whatever you want to call it is just delightful uh and i I like seeing her return every time she does but yeah getting into the fifth and final season is a bit sad that it's not gonna be there anymore for me to watch and i'll have to move on to something else but uh i've really enjoyed it as i've watched it I, i can't watch it in large chunks because even for me who really enjoys billy too much of them in one span is hard to deal with because it's just he's he's exhausting hearing him scream and yell it's just like calm down buddy just breathe breathe but um yeah i really like it and it's fun when he occasionally breaks from his angry character uh it happened recently in an episode with Sarah Jessica Parker. Sarah Jessica, yeah, Sarah Jessica Parker. Sarah Jessica Parker, where he was doing a bit with her, asking her some questions, and then she just cracked up after like the first question, and then he cracks up. He's like, "You're you're just not good at this game," and then it ended at that. And there was a part with Elena. I think it was the first time he interacted with her, where he said like, "What are you talking about?" And she's like, "I I thought you said this," and he's like. You thought I said this, and he he lost, and he cracked up, and he just walked away, uh, and it was the greatest thing in the world. I I love it, um, but yeah, I really like that. And then I watched Marriage Story. I finally watched Marriage Story, which I've been putting off because I was very scared of it, and I think it's the scariest movie in the world. It's the scariest movie I've ever seen. And it's scary because for me, there's nothing I fear more in this world than finding someone I love, someone I love enough to marry and for that to end in divorce, for us not to be able to get through our hardships and, you know, stay a couple. Um, I like the idea of that just is hard as a thought alone. And I can't imagine going through that in real life, what that would be like. Um, For me to be willing to marry someone, to say I want to spend the rest of my life with them, that's a significant thing. And for me to do that, that would mean I am so sure of this and that I would be 
ready, willing, whatever to fight, to keep it together through any kind of hardship, any issues, uh, no matter what. Uh, and the thought that that could end is just devastating to me. And I think, you know, as a child of divorce, um, it, it is something I, I think about more than other people, even though I think there are, there are, I don't know what the percentage is for divorces amongst parents of my generation. Um, but there are many children of divorce and I'm sure it all hits them differently, but like divorce for me is just fucking terrifying. It's a very well done movie. There are some incredible moments in it and it's a hard watch. It's a hard watch for anyone who finds the topic of divorce and all that difficult. Um, and it's uh, not so much funny, but I was talking with my dad after I watched it because I knew he watched it a while ago. And yeah, it's the first time we even talked really about the subject of divorce. We didn't talk about my parents' divorce specifically because I don't really want to know. And when we were talking about marriage stories, like, yeah, I've never talked to you about you know, our divorce uh, as my mom has never talked about either because it didn't involve me. It was between them and it has nothing to do with me. So there's no reason to bring me into all that. And yeah, I, I agree with that, but it's just, I remember as a kid, I was six year old, six years old when my parents divorced, I was so sure that it was my fault. Uh, I, I was very, I was the kind of kid who just expected to be blamed for everything because in many ways, uh, that kind of negative thought process was reinforced by certain people in my life. Um, but yeah, Mary's story is very well done. I l love Adam driver. I'm, the cast is great. Scarlett Johansson is great. It's also a great reminder of how yucky lawyers are. I can't, I don't know how lawyers live with themselves. I could never do that kind of job. Just, it's just so, icky you know the majority of lawyers uh in terms of what they do i mean there's some that are like oh they work pro bono and for people and all that stuff but so many lawyers are just ugh. uh the, the, there was one scene where they were going through it and just basically picking out all these little moments in their life with these little tiny details and making them seem like habits or whatever it's like okay well she drank once and stumbled so she's therefore an alcoholic and he did this and he's clearly like it's just like, oh god i hate this so much um and it's also a, a good example of how a child really just makes the whole process so much more complicated and, and difficult you know if it, if it wasn't for the kid the process would have been easy but um even even more so in this specific situation, more so than the kid, it was the difference in locations, moving across the country and all that. But uh, yeah, if you have Netflix, I'd recommend Marriage Story if you aren't uh, too turn off or scared to watch it like I was for a while. But um, that is pretty much it in terms of what I've been watching. Going back to Marriage Story real quick, it's funny that I really didn't like Noah Baumbach's movies. I kind of, I don't want to say appreciate it, but it was like, I thought the squid and the whale was okay when I first watched it. 
maybe because I watched in like a film school for the first time completely or I I think that was the second time I watched it. I'm like, yeah, I, I need to find reasons to like this. So I liked it and then I watched it again. I'm like, I don't really like this. And then I hated Greenberg and I think he made something else, which I wasn't a fan of. I think he made, I think he made something with Adam Driver and his wife. I think it's his wife. Greta Gerwig is his wife and Ben Stiller and who else? Someone else where it's about like them latching on to this younger couple and living somewhat vicariously through them. I I really didn't like that. But then he made that Adam Sandler movie on Netflix about the whole family. I really like that. I thought Adam Sandler was fantastic in that. And now he's made Marriage Story, which I really like. So I hope he just keeps making movie for, movies for Netflix because that partnership has worked out. He is making good stuff. Good on you, Noah Baumbach. You're good. Not a, I was going to say again, but you're just good for the first time. Anywho, that will do it for this here episode. But before I end it, Attack the Backlog stuff. I finished Super Mario World. I don't like the game. I never will. I don't like the way it feels. It was a miserable experience. I, some, to some extent, regret playing through it. But uh, I finished it. I recorded the audio for it. And I'm not looking forward to posting that video whenever I end up posting that episode of Attack the Backlog because I'm sure to get so many thumbs down. But, oh well. And then I played Kalamari Damacy. And that game isn't exactly fun to play. But it is very cool in terms of its scale and sense of progression. Uh, and that way, it still feels kind of next Jenny, going from a little dude rolling up mice to then rolling up houses and islands and the world and countries and all that stuff. It's it's crazy seeing that progression in a level, um, and it just feels very impressive still to this day. And the music, oh, the music is so good. I'm not somebody who usually. I don't want to say listens to music, but music usually doesn't stick with me for whatever reason. Um, unless it's very integrated in the story, like with To the Moon. Um, music just doesn't resonate with me in, in any kind of significant way. Every time I, I watch end of the year listen, people are like, these are the best songs of so-and-so year. This game had the best music. I'm like, you're probably right but I, I didn't really pay attention. And when I hear them playing backtracks, I'm like, that's pretty good. I like that. But, you know, I just, for whatever reason, the music goes in one ear and not the other, which is weird since I love music. But I think as someone who is a singer, I like songs with vocals that I can then sing along to. And the majority of music in games is not... Uh, music with lyrics. So that could be the reason, even though I, I love classical music too. I, I listen to a lot of piano music, but um, yeah, which is maybe why I love To The Moon's music. But I finished Karamari Damasi. Got to finish writing the script for that. I will be posting a review for Without uh, Escape as well. 
But what I'm going to play after Katamari Damacy, I'm not sure. I am planning to play Return of the Oberdin soon. Because I got a copy of that through annoying means. But whatever. Fine. Um, but I'm very, very excited to play that. I think it looks super interesting. I love the look of it. The gameplay sounded very intriguing. Um, I really like Papers, Please, Lucas Pope's first game. So that's going to be fun to, to go through. But I think what I want to play is another just kind of dumb game. And I might play The First Rage. I'm not sure. I want. I need to finish the script for Katamari Damacy, and then I'll I'll see where it takes me. But it's it's nice that I'm building up an even bigger cushion. I think in a few weeks or so, I could end up with enough episodes for half a year, or like I could end up with six months worth of episodes in the can. Which would be great for giving myself the space to then focus on creating other content and stuff like that and other um, series and whatnot. So, yeah, I'm feeling very productive. I haven't really gone out and done things, so I haven't spent time doing that. I'm not, I'm not going out to see movies in the theater or going out to eat or stuff like that. So my life has been pretty much work, play for Attack the Backlog and stuff like that. And that's pretty much it. I haven't really been playing games just for me. Even though Attack the Backlog is for me. But basically, if I if I have time, I'm like, I'm buying some for Attack the Backlog. Which is fine. I like it. Uh, but with the two games, Without Escape and Red Bow being very short, that puts the, the total of completed games for 2020 up to seven. Which is cool. It, it would be nice. I don't want to say it would be nice. It would be kind of crazy but i think if i play a lot of short games i could get to 100 completed games this year which would be mind-blowing i'm not sure what my total was for last year i should look that up but i I think for me completing 50 games a year would be great but um yeah if i completed 100 even if a good chunk of those if even if 50 of them were like one to two hour games i'd be fine with that so yeah I've rambled enough here at the very end of the show, which is good. This is where the rambling should be because then people are like, uh, Mark's going off on one of his stupid bullshit tangents, so I'm just going to cut out. Well, then you could you, you could have cut out. Anywho, that will do it for this episode of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Mark Kersness. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. The site is, of course, PixelatedSausage.com, where you can find this podcast and Attack the Backlog. You can also find Pixelated Paranormal Podcast and a brand new show that just started, premiered today, 13 Nightmares, which is a podcast about horror movies and all that jazz, where they dive deep into the lore and all that kind of good stuff with horror movies the first episode is about the return of the living dead which is a fun dumb movie i like the sequel to that as well which is very hated but i think it's just as dumb and fun as the first maybe not as fun and dumb but it is still fun and dumb and it has the douchebag jock from twin peaks in it and i think that is fun as well but uh, yeah you can find all those podcasts on podcast services across the globe 
like Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Pandora. And if you'd like to check out the video version of Attack the Backlog, as well as some video reviews and other such nonsense, you can go over to youtube.com slash sausage and watch them there. If you'd like to check out the art I make, you can go over to pxsart.com. If you see something you like, click the link and it'll take you to where you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. As always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this here episode and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Bye. Bye.